Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel of Mark. We are right at the midway of the gospel. This is a pivotal moment from Jesus traveling through Galilee and healing and teaching. And now Jesus will head towards Jerusalem and towards the cross and the resurrection. Let us listen for God's word as it comes to us today from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking to Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say, but they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man, had risen from the dead. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, you do call to us. And you shine light into our lives that we may follow you, that we may see the way ahead. You speak to us just what we need to hear. So speak now and enliven our worship. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Some years ago, my husband Paul and I took a trip to see the Canadian Rockies. We went to Banff and Jasper and Lake Louise, and we had gotten into bike riding, and so we thought that when we were in the Canadian Rockies, we would rent some bikes and take a bike ride there. And so we went to the bike shop, and we rented some hybrid bikes, and we asked for a trail that wasn't necessarily a paved trail, but like a dirt trail that, you know, wasn't so hard that we could just take a ride. And they said, well, you should take this, this trail down to Ross Lake. It should take you about an hour and a half, and then you'll be back to the road, and you can drive on, on the road back, back here into town. Well, it was about 3 in the afternoon, and we thought, great, 
we'll take this, this little ride and hour and a half and we took a couple of energy bars and our bottles of water and we set out. Well, at the beginning of the ride, it was a nice packed down dirt trail. And we rode for a while and we were really into it. And then there started being a few rocks and, you know, it wasn't bad. So we had gone so far and we thought we'd keep going and we thought it would smooth out and in some places it did, but then it got rockier. And we thought about turning back, but we figured we'd gone about halfway, so we kept going. And the rocks kept getting bigger. Now, I'm sure that some of you have been mountain biking, but we had not. And we did not have mountain bikes, and we were completely unprepared for this trail. And pretty soon, the rocks were so big that we couldn't ride on them, and that the trail was about this wide, and there was a great drop. And so we started carrying our bikes. It one hour passed, and then a second hour passed, and we decided that we would eat our energy bars. At some points, I became so exhausted that Paul would carry his bike up ahead and come back and get my bike and carry it up ahead. And I would just limp my way along. It was about another hour and a half. So now we're getting towards 7.30 at night. It's Canada, so in the summer, so it's still light. Sort of. And we finally get to the paved road with what should have been a short bike ride, like a mile, mile and a half, two miles, back to the shop. But by that time, it was all I could do to walk and have my bike by my side. It was dusk when a car coming from the opposite direction pulled over by us and stopped us and said, do you guys know that there's a mama bear and her two cubs right up ahead, frolicking across the road, just where you're headed, at about a snail's pace? And we were like, uh, no. So they had a small car, but it was big enough for us, they locked the bikes to a tree on the side of the road, left them there, took us in their car back to town, and they had this bag of trail mix, which we proceeded to scarf down as fast as we could. There were many lessons to be learned from this trip. The Boy Scout motto, be prepared. We had an incredible sense of gratitude for the grace that we were shown and that someone would think to come and stop by the side of the road. And it was a, such a good Samaritan moment for us. Perhaps the greatest lesson was take more food than you think you're going to need.
having just come off of our season of justice, there is a sense, and we all know, that everyone here wants to make a difference in the world. We want to make the world a better place in our homes or with our families, for the hungry, for the poor, for justice. We want to be able even to, in our marriages, have compassion and kindness. Whatever path we are walking, it is more likely that the longer we walk, the rockier at times it becomes, and sometimes more than we could ever have imagined. Another great story, because you all came this morning, after my daughter Emma was born and I had gone back to work, it was about Christmas time, and I was in one of those sleep-deprived modes, you know, where you're moving, but that's about it. And I was at the grocery store, and the reason that I was standing upright was because there was the grocery cart in front of me. And so I'm, I'm walking along, and I have to buy some cold cuts, and I go to the deli counter and take my ticket, and I'm standing there waiting for my turn, and there is this mechanical Santa about this high on the top of the deli counter. And he's going, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Well, I started to hallucinate or have these fantasies of taking this mechanical Santa which was annoying me so much at this point, and whacking the mechanical Santa against the deli counter, and they were going to have to call the police for this crazy lady who was whacking, had gone nuts, and just was destroying the mechanical Santa. Sometimes the road ahead just gets rockier than we ever imagined. Fortunately, they called my number, you know, right after that. We can get a lot of sustenance from our work. It was amazing going to a wider circle last week, with the, the youth group. We took all the birthday bags, and as we were walking around that organization that has furniture for the homeless to furnish home and a whole clothing room with professional suits. And we learned that when somebody came in for a, a professional suit, they couldn't go away with less than five because there are five work days to the week. And they got interview skills and being there was just this amazing experience where we felt the presence of God. Sometimes we meet Christ in that kind of work, just as we meet Christ in raising children, but sometimes it becomes so difficult, and sometimes there becomes ugliness and meanness in our work, and we can't remember why we ever wanted to do it in the first place. We have an epidemic of those trying to make the world a better place, an epidemic of overwork, 
isolation, ineffectiveness, and frustration. We live in an individualistic culture full of anger and greed and violence, and that gets inside of us till we are dragging our bikes over rocks on the path and wondering if we might not just fall down that embankment. There is no doubt that Jesus' disciples had no idea what they were getting into when they left their nets to follow him. It probably looked great. There was this charismatic leader. People were in awe of him. He was healing people and making miracles. They must have loved it when he went up against the Pharisees and just shamed them. It was incredible. Now, it's said that Peter and James and John, because we always hear about them, were Jesus' special disciples, the ones most close to him. But they're also the ones who really just do not get it. The few days before this, Jesus has said, listen, it's going to get really rocky, and I'm not going to make it, and I'm going to come alive again. And Peter's just like, there is no way that is going to happen. And what does Jesus call Peter? Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Closest one of his disciples, okay, behaving like Satan. And then James and John really believe that they're going to get the highest seats in heaven for following Jesus. So, you know, this fame and this fortune and this no suffering, they had no clue. And so it might not be that they were just the special disciples. It could be that they were indeed the special needs disciples. And that they needed a little extra attention. And so that may be why Jesus said, okay, you three, you're coming to the mountaintop. And they went to the mountaintop. And Jesus took them there to show what happens, what can happen when you're in the presence of God And when you pray. And they saw Jesus in a different way. And it was a shock to their understanding. They saw Moses, Moses who saw the burning bush and God on the mountaintop. And Elijah who heard God in the still, small voice on the mountaintop. And God says to them, this is it. Jesus. This is my son. This is where you learn about love. This is it. Listen to him. And of course it took some time. But we have letters written in the name of Peter and James and John. How well do we listen to Jesus? God points us towards the resources for the journey. And God longs to sustain our faith in our work to make the world a better place, fueled by the love of God. Practicing our faith, we know, is not a head thing primarily, but an action But prayer and contemplation are also actions. 
And I can go through, like when somebody's trying to convince you to exercise and they tell you all of the benefits and reasons why you should exercise, I can go through and tell you that a daily experience of the love of God improves our mental and physical health, helps us cope with uncertainty, helps us to maintain hope, creates a strong sense of unity with others. There is a oneness with all creation, even the material world. There is an increase in creativity and intuition and sense of wholeness, connecting with Christ, our center, with the love of God through service, the heart of service and helping and empathy and care is the vital flow of wisdom, food for the journey, the font of joy and blessing. We come here for that incredible weekly feast of the love of God. So for a moment, take a deep breath. And become aware of God's presence all around. In the mighty wind. In the windows. In the choir. In the people next to you. You may close your eyes if you want. Review the past day. The events, the moments, the rocks, the smooth places. Gather in the goodness. Maybe of when you made it over the rocks. Tend to the shadows and listen for the reassurance or the challenge. If Jesus or Moses or Elijah were here or with you as you do this somewhere during the week, would you say something? Would they? Everybody's got that um, survey to take about our Sunday morning worship schedule. And the vision of creating that space between the worship schedules was to open up that time for community building and for prayer and for listening to God and Bible study or book study or support group, whatever we need to be able to hear together on this morning, have that connection to each other and to God. And this is something that mainline denominations have neglected. But this is the basis for all that we do. We're still out there asking for pledges pledge increases and 
special gifts, and oh, glory be to God for all of you who have made that commitment. There's still a ways to go, and there's still time. I think the root of it all is that we listen to the love of God and we pray for each other and for ourselves so that we are prepared and we take more food than we think we're going to need along the way. want to start something in between the services, see me. We'll get something going. As if we hadn't learned from our first long bike ride, summer before last, all of our family, Paul and I, and cousins and and aunts and uncles and everybody were uh, renting some bikes and were biking along the C&O Trail, which is beautiful. And it's paved all the way and it's flat and it is covered with trees. We did learn something. But we were just going to ride for a little ways and because it was like a 97 degree day. So we all had our water bottles and we took a few granola bars and There we went off. And somebody had the bright idea of seeing if we could ride all the way to a reservoir or a waterfall or something that was down the road. And they kept saying, oh, it's just here, just here. Well, we found out that it really was 20 miles down the road. And after 10 miles, we convinced everybody to go back. And you can imagine at this point, we had rationed out the granola bars and our water was getting really low. But then somebody saw along the side of the road berries. And the raspberries were ripe. And then it wasn't just a few bushes of raspberries. There were bushes, bushes of clumps of raspberries along the path. And we reached out and we put the bikes by the side of the road and we started to get them, you know, and at first I'm like, really, we're going to eat these? And then it was handfuls of these sweet, warm, juicy raspberries, and we ate them by the handful. And we made it home just fine by the grace of God that fed us on the way. Amen.